in the beginning, you know, my attitude was very different. It was like, oh, I'm going to learn everything myself. I don't need anyone's help. And, you know, that's, um, it just makes it take so much longer that way. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Do you need any special software to create a Kindle book? How do you format a Kindle book? And how do you publish a Kindle book? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask our special guest today, Ashley Lorenzana. Ashley, welcome to DMR. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, well, Ashley's an expert in Kindle publishing, book marketing, blogging, and also freelance writing. You can find her over ashleylorenzana.com. So, Ashley, is publishing a Kindle book easy or is it a bit of a learning curve to grasp the essentials? You know, I think it's getting easier. I think there are some aspects of Kindle publishing that are still somewhat of a challenge for people who are new to the whole process. The formatting is, is kind of one of the trickier areas. Cover design, a lot of people struggle with that, it seems like. But other than that, I mean, I would say it's fairly easy. Um, Amazon's made it pretty easy for people at this point in time, is my opinion. Right, okay. And um, is this a logical area for businesses to be getting into as a promotional tool, do you think? Or is it largely a medium just for creative writing and um, authors getting themselves published? No, I think it's definitely got huge potential for both. I mean, I see a lot of different people coming from different backgrounds, you know, bloggers or, you know, business people who are doing really, really well with it. And so I think it's very flexible. I think it has huge opportunity for, for both crowds. Okay. And, and what about the actual creation of the books themselves? Now, I understand that you can simply get um, even a, a Word document and, and essentially publish that as a Kindle book. But is, is that the right way to go down? Or um, are you better to actually choose some kind of more specialist software to actually produce your book? You know, there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. You know, they accept several formats. I mean, you're right, you can just do a Word document and that works. And they also have, you know, specific templates for Word that work really well. Um, but as far as like the best or the right way to do it, I haven't personally, I haven't really seen a software that I was like really impressed with for formatting. That's just my personal opinion. But I mean, I'm old school. I, uh, I just do the HTML myself and then make an EPUB. So that's kind of technical for a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know if uh, that's really the best thing for just someone who's new to all this uh, to be getting into. I mean, Word is probably the easiest. Uh, that's what I would recommend. Okay, and uh, EPUB is um, the generic file format, isn't it, that, um, that any book yeah. reader can read? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's really easy to convert over to, um, to a Mobi file, which is what Kindle has to have, yeah. Right, okay. Um, I've heard one of the challenges with Word is that um, it can produce lots of funky HTML that um, yeah. uh, means that obviously the layout isn't quite as as you wanted it. Right. Uh, so it's that, that, that's a bit of a challenge. Um, yeah, there's a very specific way to go about using Word. Um, like I said, I, I do all my hand-coded, but yeah, there is. it does bloat your code and make it just sort of ridiculous if you don't uh, follow simple instructions, but there's a lot of good uh, tutorials online that will tell you exactly how to avoid that. But yeah, it's, it's a big concern. That's, that's a good point. Okay, I, I guess you've got um, a couple of tutorials pu published in your own blog, have you, that um, uh -huh. t t talk about those kind of things. Mm -hmm. What's the best way that um, someone can find that? What, what kind of titles um, should they be looking for? 
I'd start with Word, Microsoft Word templates um, for Kindle. That's what I would start with. Um, some of them aren't free, but there's some really good ones out there. I promote um, some templates made by uh, Joel Freelander, who has a blog about book design and publishing, and I really love his templates. Um, they're awesome, so I highly recommend those. Those are probably the best thing I've seen. Okay. Um, now, in terms of word count, um, what do you think is ideal for a Kindle book? Because um, it's not necessarily going to be as long as a conventional book, or should it be? I think it depends on the genre that you're um, publishing. I mean, fiction, I think, you know, generally, unless you're doing a series, but even if you are, I mean, I think it should generally be about the same as print. I don't think there should be a whole lot of difference there uh, as far as nonfiction goes then yeah it can certainly be you know brief or shorter than a, a normal book would be but I mean there's no like a written rule on that really so I think you know experimenting is probably the best way to come up with the right answer for that trying different things and seeing what works best but I think it uh, there's a big difference between fiction and nonfiction. right okay so f fiction longer probably more conventional mm -hmm. le length um, and what about pricing have you got any thoughts on that at all that's tricky. I mean, I, again, it's just experimentation. Like I, um, I started out when I published my first Kindle book. I priced it really low just because I was new to everything. No one had heard of me. I didn't, you know, I was just getting started. So I think I priced my first book at one ninety nine for like the first four or five months. And then uh, my friend, uh, who actually is the one who turned me on to the whole idea of publishing on Kindle, uh, suggested that I, you know, bump the price up a little bit now that it had been out and I'd been working really hard to promote it. And so he suggested four ninety nine after those first few months. And that's what I ended up doing. And uh, interestingly enough, I this the total amount of sales per month really didn't change it's just the number of copies did so i mean really it's about you know what ends up working for you it really does depend on the type of book that you're you know publishing and what your audience is um because those will have a big impact on you know the pricing because nonfiction generally you can charge more for especially if it's detailed fiction tends to be you know lower priced Okay, and last time I looked, um, Amazon seemed to encourage pricing between two ninety nine and nine ninety nine because they give right. the, the the author higher royalties for for, yep. for that kind of amount. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's still that's still the case. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and that's also uh, necessary if you want to enroll your book in uh, their KDP Select program, which is um, which I have most of my books enrolled in. Uh, which uh, demands that you're exclusive to Amazon during enrollment, but it also gives you five free days to um, offer your book for free on Amazon, which is a huge, um, huge marketing tool. So, okay, so five free days there. Um, <clears throat> the concern, I guess, from some people might be, um, is it just encourages freebie hunters, and you're not necessarily going to get people to stick around and, and buy things from you right. after that. Um, do, do you have evidence to the contrary? Do you, do you feel that um, it encourages people to actually purchase after they've taken something free from you? You know, I, I think that really depends on what kind of Kindle business that you're, you know, what, what your vision is. I mean, you know, for example, someone like, you know, J.A. Conrath, who does a series of fiction and has, you know, lots of books, basically, all in the same series. Um, I think it works really good in those cases. So someone who has, you know, builds up a fan base and they're, you know, they want to read what comes next in the story. And so, of course, they're going to, you know, buy your next book if it's not free. So I think that works really, really well for some fiction authors. Um, as far as like 
single nonfiction books that aren't really part of a larger, you know, publishing sort of vision. I'm not as sure of that. I don't feel as strongly about that. But so again, it really does come back to uh, the type of book, I suppose. Right. Okay. And what about um, promotional strategies that aren't on Kindles? You know, you've mentioned mm-hmm. KDP and um, and the, the free five day offer that that you can use, and that can be very effective. But mm-hmm. do you use other strategies to actually drive people to your Amazon listings? Well, I mean, I do a lot of indirect promotion. Uh, I mean, obviously, reviews are huge. So I have um, done a lot of work like using Goodreads and um, other similar, more social sites than Amazon um, to recruit uh, reviewers, early reviewers. I've done some print giveaways through Goodreads, and that usually gets um, results in reviews, which is good. And stuff like that, mostly. Okay, so you mentioned Goodreads.com. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. that's good. That, that is the website, isn't it, .com? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they are essentially a massive website that um, different publishers, uh, different writers can get together on. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I guess you offer to review someone else's book and, and they can do the same for you? Well, um, they have um, two distinct types of profiles. They have, you know, readers who are just regular users. And then you can actually enroll in their author program, which will give you um, a different type of profile. And it's sets you apart as an author on the site and uh, what it lets you do is um, you can do book giveaways and um, only for print books not no ebooks but the idea there is that um, people will enter your contest basically and you choose the number of copies that you want to give away and then when the contest is over they tell you who the winners are and you mail the copies out and then uh, you know encourage them to do a review basically and most of the time in my experience they do so and the cool thing about that also is that everyone who enters your contest I mean like most of mine had like you know 800 people at least so all those people end up like automatically adding your book to their to read list so that's pretty cool it keeps you sort of in their mind and not everyone's going to get to your book obviously but a lot of people do and I've actually um message people through Goodreads to um, ask them, you know, like after a contest, if they still wanted a review copy, because I could send them an ebook, and that's worked out well for me. Ah, right. Okay. So um, Goodreads is just for hard copy books, is that right? But but you can actually message them afterwards about your Kindle book. Right. Yeah. Um, they only allow the print books for giveaways. Yeah. But that you can actually upload an ebook um, onto Goodreads too. So there's a lot of opportunities there, different ways to uh, connect with readers for sure. And um, so you mentioned hard copy books. Um, so that, that means obviously you've published hard copy books before. Yeah. Have you used Amazon's Create Space service for that or did you use something else? I actually personally, um, I used Lulu and I've experimented with Create Space. I just didn't find it. Um, I don't like the quality of their books as much. Of course, there's a price difference there. Um, so that's, that's what mm. the trade off is. So Lulu was more expensive, but I, I just liked their books better. I thought they were nicer and looked better. And so that's what I went with. But I mean, Create Space is more inexpensive and you know it's passable I mean, there's nothing wrong with them i just preferred the the better looking book personally right okay yeah so because i mean i've, I've heard of great space but I, I haven't actually used that service before mm-hmm. it's just something i was i was thinking of experimenting with myself but mm-hmm. um I, I have heard one or two hints online that the the quality of the books aren't exceptional um, yeah but but i think obviously that's what you, you get to a certain degree with print on demand but it's, right, right. But it's interesting that you're saying, saying that Lulu is a little bit better quality. I think so, yeah. Okay, um, so so that's um, 
ebooks in terms of um, Mobi type files, um, mm-hmm. Kindle type files. Um, have you ever produced um, PDFs um, for for giveaways or, or or to sell them at all either? Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's actually the format I was more familiar with before I got into Kindle. Um, was PDF like everything was PDF <laughs> in my world before uh, before I got involved in that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so, how did you actually go about selling books then on PDF? Um, most of the PDFs I worked with, I mean, some of them were paid products, and a lot of them were free reports. Um, you know, stuff like that. But uh, that's just the format that seemed most common um, to me outside of Kindle. But it doesn't work well at all for for Kindle. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, I've I've tried uploading a Kindle into a PDF onto Kindle before. Isn't it terrible? It's not a nice experience. No. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if it'll change with um, future ven- uh, versions of the Kindle at all because I I had the I don't know I think it was 3.0 version of the Kindle. It died uh. recently on me, but um, <laughs> so I, I've I've liked the look of the paper white one because that looks looks pretty nice, but. Um, mm-hmm haven't got it yet yeah no pdf the problem with that of course is that it's a fixed um layout Mm. so it can't reflow like and adapt to the screen on the kindle so that it scrolls and so yeah it just isn't going to work probably you're right have you done any publishing with apple at all or is it just um just kindle you kindle and pdf you focused on yeah no i haven't actually um experimented with apple yet um that's on my list of things to do of course i just haven't gotten around to it yet Mm. Well, I mean that that's something that um, I've been doing, you know, through a magazine app, and I'd, I'd, I'd mm-hmm. certainly recommend giving that a go. I think it's got yeah. that bigger barrier to entry. You know, you, you've mm-hmm. got to create an app. You know, when you the, the Kindle, you just just produce the product itself. But um, right. the Kindle's such a big marketplace as well, so it's it's not going anywhere fast. And of right. course, with um, Amazon's new s- smartphone, of course, it's likely to get a, a lot more exposure in the future as well. Yeah. So. Um, that's your thoughts on Kindle, um, but I'd love to get your thoughts on digital marketing in general and so, um, subjects like you know what kind of software you use on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. So let's get going with um, those general questions, starting with... Software I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you would sig- significantly impact the success of your business? Not to sound too basic or anything, but I would have to say either uh, WordPress or Google Apps because those are the two cores um, to everything I do, more or less. Um, and I mean, as far as you know, desktop software goes, um, I'm pretty much like in love with Camtasia. <laughs> mm. It uh, it makes you know recording screencasts super easy. I do lots of tutorials and that sort of thing, and it's honestly it's the best video editing tool I've used. So I would say those three for sure. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, I've used um, Screencast-O-Matic as a uh-huh. screencast recorder, and I've, I, I found that great. But I think Camtasia is probably that level a little bit higher if you want to do better things mm-hmm. probably with your screen capture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's got basically everything you need. I mean, you can edit it, take parts out, you know, splice it all together. It's super easy, yeah. Okay. And you mentioned WordPress as well. Um, do you have a particular theme and perhaps a plugin or two that you can recommend as well? Um, personally, I I kind of, you know, switch it around a lot with some of my themes for some of my sites, but because uh, I'm just a perfectionist, I'm always trying to find something better or that I like more. But uh, I actually, for like my marketing pages, I like Optimized Press, the newest version of that. I'm mm. a big fan of that. James Dyson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've used that as well. So, um, so that, that it's certainly does what it says in the tin you know it's 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 great at optimizing your site probably towards subscriptions and 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 getting email address, addresses from people as well yeah yeah no it really helps with that 
I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What mm. didn't you do so well and what do you wish that you would have done differently? Well, I mean, if you want me to be totally honest, I, I really didn't do anything right the first day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, that's the truth. But um, I mean, when I started out, um, I really just had no idea how to do any of this stuff. So I, I kind of just lacked direction. Um which I didn't at the time recognize that that was a big issue, but it was. Um, it just, it really, really helps once you, you know, focus your energy in on something specific because I just sort of was wandering around, like, you know, there's so much information out there, you know, on all these different methods and all these different approaches. And it's just, it's a little overwhelming. I think a lot of people experience that at first. And, um, yeah, I just was kind of like jumping around from one thing to the next and not really, you know, getting results from anything because I wasn't, you know, sticking with it long enough, basically. Right, okay. In terms of what you could have done differently, I guess mm. um, it's it, it's challenging to pinpoint it because you mm. don't really know what you want to do unless you actually try a few different things. But then you exactly. need to actually select your thing and stick with it for a while. Yeah, yeah, that was my challenge at first, yeah. <laughs> So I'm just wondering, um, how do you go about um, stopping other people falling through the same kind of pitfalls? Because everyone's got to you know, go and, and, and try different things to a certain degree to find mm -hmm. something that they like to do. But it's important that they don't waste too much time along the way as well. Um, well, I mean, I think uh, my best advice for that, I guess, would be to start with what you do well um, start with what you know if possible um, unless you absolutely hate that whatever it is <laughs> you know I mean that's not gonna work out well but I mean that's that's usually where your strength lies is in what you do well already and the knowledge that you already have and working to build off that or to apply it to something that you know that you can actually enjoy somewhat or that you have passion for that's probably the best thing to do I guess in the beginning no, that's good advice. Um, I think many people make the mistake of trying to look for the money to begin with rather than actually uh, yeah. f following something they're passionate about. Yeah, I agree totally. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, um, so we'll move on to... Best advice I've ever received. What's the best piece of digital marketing advice that you've ever received? Um, well, I've gotten a lot of good advice from people, uh, several people, over the last several years, but... I'm going to kind of cheat on this just because of what we were talking about a moment ago because it ties in with that. And I'm just going to say basically everything that Gary Vaynerchuk has ever said in any of his <laughs> keynote speeches. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Jab, 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 fan. right hook. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan. So um, I absolutely just like love everything that he says basically. And I think his best piece of advice that I've ever heard was it doesn't matter what you do. Like if you like Elf, do an Elf blog if you like the smurfs then smurf it up i mean because you can monetize it somehow and i totally think that that's true um that's my favorite thing that he's probably ever said so <laughs> you know and i think it's just a matter of being creative and figuring out a way to make it work and i just i loved that piece of advice great yeah no absolutely you know what if, if if you do something that you love to do you'll do a fantastic job at it and because you do that great job you'll develop a following and then absolutely. somehow you'll you you evolve a, an income stream from that Exactly, yeah. So um, what kind of marketing activity is working best for you at the moment? I blog a lot, um, or I have in the past. I've kind of been taking a little break lately, but 
But yeah, I made it a habit to, when I started, my goal was, you know, publish a new post once a week, which isn't even really that often. I mean, you know, to drive traffic, I mean, it really should be more often than that. But that was my goal to start. And I stuck to it for, you know, a couple of years at least. And I was very consistent about it. So, I mean, that's that's the biggest source of my traffic is search um, traffic. Right. And did you submit your blog to different blog directories and RSS feed directories? Or how did you get um your blog listed in search results you think um well um i've used google analytics and webmaster tools to sort of get started in the beginning and then yes i have um i submitted to alltop.com um and a couple of the other big ones that i'm not going to remember the name of off the top of my head but uh yes yeah no i did i submitted it to all of um all those rss directories and whatnot and did you interact on other blogs as well? Did you um, write comments on other related blogs and blog posts? Yep, I've done commenting, and I've also been a guest author on uh, several Kindle blogs, actually. Right. Um, sharing, you know, marketing techniques and, and that sort of thing. So, yep, for sure, guest blogging is, is a great way to get going, too. Yes, no, I think uh, guest blogging is still appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. a, f- a few months ago, Google clamped down on guest blogging mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but there's different types of guest blogging. There's there's poor mm-hmm. quality guest blogging where you're just finding anywhere um, <laughs> that doesn't really have an audience and you're effectively just trying to get an article published with a link back to your site. And then, yeah. th- then there's really, you know, searching for relationships with um, other bloggers that um, are mm-hmm. fair, fairly high authorities within their field that are you know, relevant and related to what you do. And um, they will, you know, really want unique content, lengthy mm-hmm. content, um, and content that you can offer of value. And and if you offer that kind of content, then it's it's fair game really to link back to your site from that as a as a reference regarding who you are. Absolutely. And the nice thing about that too, because um, I was aware of the um, you know the Google policy um, as well. But the cool thing about pitching your stories to people who have more authority than you is that they have bigger audiences and that those people, if they like your content, will click through to your site. And that kind of bypasses Google totally in a way, you know? Mm. So, I mean, it really doesn't, it doesn't even really matter a whole lot that like the SEO um, value is dropped because I think it just exposes you to a whole new audience. SEO will happen naturally as long as your content's fantastic because even if you have a link back to your site that's no follow and Google isn't supposed to pass any um, credit through, um, Mm -hmm. you will still get social shares and perhaps because of that uh, get other blog mentions that that give you a natural link anyway. Um, I'm not convinced that Google... Uh, provide absolutely no credit through no follows anyway i'm sure yeah. within their algorithm that the, the, there's a bit of positivity there as well um obviously yeah. their their algorithm is so hard to actually um <laughs> imagine what it involves but it's, yeah. it's it's all about common sense um mm-hmm. if if you can appear where y- your target audience is and offer great value um you you'll naturally start to gain a following as well, especially if you do it consistently. No, I I absolutely agree. It's all about yeah having a natural sort of SEO um, profile footprint, you know. Okay, um, moving on to the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick okay. questions. <laughs> Try not to think <laughs> about the answer too much. Uh, okay. Just just looking for your gut reaction. Okay. Okay. Email or Twitter. Email. Audio or video. Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. 
online press releases or one-on-one relations? Oh, <laughs> uh, one-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email. And local marketing or global marketing? Global. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll move on to... The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on and how would you measure its success? Uh, well, I think that if I had um, $10,000 to spend over the next few days, I would probably um, stock down uh, one of the people <laughs> who I really admire and who I've been following for a long time who, you know, offer consulting services. And I would get on board with them. Uh, I kind of learned a couple of years ago now the value of a mentor, like a real mentor. <laughs> mm. And uh, when I first, um, when I you know, hired somebody the first time. And basically, the way I would measure it, like when I hired my coach um, a couple of years back, it was kind of funny because, you know, one of the first conversations we had, we were looking at my blog and we were sort of going through it and evaluating it. And he just ripped it apart. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He really, he did. He told me basically that it sucked. <laughs> uh, you know, and I mean, that's, I guess, what I was paying him for, to be honest, because I wasn't going to see that, you know. And he was right about everything he said. And he basically told me that everything needed to be redone. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't pretty. So, (laughs) but I needed to hear that. And so, and his advice was good and, you know, and it did end up working out. I mean, I did make lots of improvements after I listened to him and, you know, and I think that in the beginning, you know, my attitude was very different. It was like, oh, I'm going to learn everything myself. I don't need anyone's help. And, you know, that's, um, it just makes it take so much longer that way. So if I had, you know, that money to spend tomorrow, I would, yeah, I'd go after, you know, somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. No, that's great advice. Um, yeah. I actually interviewed um, John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur and Fire for, for the first episode. Oh, and, okay. and, and he said um, that his biggest mistake was that for an eight month period when he was getting started out, he didn't have a mentor at all. Um, so th- there's lots of people that, that, that agree with that and, and, and say that. So that really is something to think about. Yeah, I agree. My number one takeaway. Uh, you've offered a lot of great advice in a conversation, um, but what is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? Let's see. I would say that the number one takeaway uh, is from all this would be um, not having a direction um, that you're going. Um, a specific intentional direction is probably like the biggest waste of time <laughs> that you could um the biggest mistake you could make basically and that chasing wasting money on a bunch of different products that all promise things that sound you know too good to be true is is the most expensive mistake <laughs> mm. and i think that both should just basically be avoided um I think that you should just focus your efforts um, on whatever you're, you know you have passion for, and put in the work, and pretty much you'll see results. I mean, that's that's what's worked for me. 
Right, okay. So focus on what you love to do and mm-hmm. stop getting distracted. <laughs> right, yes. Stop um, stop chasing other people's success and make your own. <laughs> <laughs> stop chasing other people's dreams. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. Thank you so much for your time, your focus, and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Um, go to the website, ashleylorenzana.com. That's my blog, and you can find out everything you need to know about me there for sure. Wonderful. Well, um, thanks again, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast, delivered as a weekly digital magazine, automatically to your tablet or smartphone. And that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing